Welcome to the Upriser podcast. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Upriser focuses on technology conversations centered in the future of work and how new technologies are applied and how work evolves. The Upriser podcast is brought to you by Topcoder. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Upriser podcast. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner, VP of Marketing at Topcoder. And now I am joined by not once, not twice, but thrice, I believe, could be a fourth time, but our CTO of Topcoder, Dave Messenger, pretty much a, you know, a, a fractional co-host. We'll be talking about fractional time a little bit today anyway. So welcome back to the pod, Dave. How are you doing in, in sunny West Hartford today, man? Yeah, it's, it's going great. Um, getting some nice weather for once, so uh, excited about that. It's not. It was getting a little too hot at the beginning there, so it's nice, nice to be in cooler weather. But thank you again for the warm introduction. Always a pleaser to be on the Upriser Pod. Oh, thanks, man. You got you got to make it down to the coast. You know, Dave and I only only live about 40, 45 minutes apart. He's in West Hartford. I'm in a little town called West Brook. We share the west part, but different different parts of CT. And I'm I'm down the shoreline. So, uh, but it's it's it is it is a lovely time of year. We get these beautiful like five or so months where actually it is a lovely little state. And then the rest of the time, it's uh that's why there's snowbirds. <laughs> is what it boils down to. People want to get the heck out of here. But it's all good. It is a great time of year. So we got a fun topic today, Dave. So. This came to our attention. There was a Wall Street Journal article that came out and it featured the CEO of WeWork. It was uh, Sandeep Mathrani. He's a big time real estate, you know, kind of an innovation genius, really known throughout the real estate world and brought into WeWork fairly recently from, from, what, I, from what I know, if, that, if that's correct. And uh, while they're going through some of the tumult they've been going through and the topic was uh, this focus that he said some really interesting things in a Wall Street Journal article that implied basically folks who go to the office, the, 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 the traditional sense of an office or, or even a WeWork, but the folks who want to go to an office and are there two out of three days are somehow more engaged, you know, basically, basically saying they're, they're your better employees if you know, they're the ones who are going to your office. And then, of course, therefore, the folks who don't want to go to the office, even post-pandemic where all this, where things have changed, um, the folks who don't want to go to the office somehow are less, right? Somehow are not as effective as an employee, not as engaged. And I think rightfully so, it, it kind of blew up a little bit, right? This, this got a lot of attention, especially in the, the spheres of influence of folks who are looking at and studying remote work, work from home, flexible, you know, hybrid workforces and, and everything else that we cover here on, on Upriser and beyond. So Dave, you saw this article, you pinged me on Slack and said, hey, this is pretty interesting. So first and foremost, did I recapture it kind of correctly? And, and what, are, what are some you know, early takeaways for you? Yeah, I think you hit it, hit it right on the head, Clinton. And you, know, you said I, I pinged you on Slack, so it was asynchronous. We didn't have to be in the office to communicate or I didn't have to walk over to your desk. But I think the, the thing that kind of jumped out at me that I saw blow up on Twitter and, and everywhere else was, you know, I think just to recap again, what you said was his exact quote was, it's also pretty obvious that those who are overly engaged with the company want to go to the office two-thirds of the times at least. Those who are least engaged are very comfortable working from home. I feel like both those statements are just very tone deaf, I think. in Tone deaf in the way the future works happening and what's happened the last year. And I think he is, you know, considered a genius in the real estate spot space. 
um, you know, very smart. But I, I think it also misses, I know they just bought, we worked at, as part of a SPAC, which I think is a smart idea, along with the uh, Sacramento Kings owner, Vivek, bought the WeWork. And, you know, WeWork, I think what they had sold before was the concept of we and the community and yeah. those pieces. And to me, that's like one of the huge advantages of WeWork itself. Like if we just tackle even WeWork versus, specifically WeWork versus going to even a, a normal office spaces, I think you'd want to actually encourage that fractional resources encourage the community that it can open up um you know like and we both live in connecticut so we can get together for maybe around a golf or, or have a drink or, or a dinner or something of those lines and, and we're lucky in our company but we have people that live in colorado and might be three hours away from the next uh top coder employee or don't have a chance to see each other as well and you know, I think being able to go work into a communal workspace like a WeWork could provide a lot of additional features and having that capability where maybe he goes in one day a week or she goes in two days a week might be actually really beneficial to the client, beneficial to the company too. But I don't think it would mean that that person is not working any harder or less at Top Coder because they only go in one or two days a week. Yeah, I, I I definitely want to jump off that point for sure. And and I think there also I think we should put the goggles on of, you know, the Wall Street Journal is interviewing a CEO that is in charge of a company that wants to get physical people back into buildings, right? Coming out of a pandemic also. So I think that the philosophy of, hey, the office is not dead. I try to avoid, avoid that hyperbole too. Like, hey, we're never going back. No one's ever going back to the office. Like, okay. Like we've had these huge, huge black swan affairs. Like 9-11 happened. No, air travel will never be the same. Okay. It bounced back and it was bigger than ever. 2008 happens with the housing collapse. You know, home prices, will this will never happen again. There won't be another bubble. Well, there's bubbles all the time. Like these, we, 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 these things do bounce back uh, for, for better and for worse. And now that we're kind of coming out of, especially in America, getting into this post-pandemic mentality, you do see lots of people, you do see some, some people, I say, wanting to return to some semblance of, of their work life. But I think a lot of folks are just now on a different divergent path that pre-pandemic, they just didn't think that was possible, right? Number one, productivity-wise, how is this going to work? And we can talk a little bit about things like such as such as like isolation and like the and, and loneliness that I I think are real factors, which I think play well into what you just said about hey, that fractional time you can go spend with humans could be incredibly valuable. But I think the piece for me here is that like um, I don't want to lose sight that that a, a CEO. Of, a, of essentially a, a company that owns a lot of real estate wants to get Fannie's back into buildings too. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think it's definitely probably the, not necessarily the best person to interview, but at the same time, like, I feel like he's also missing a big chunk of what, what the value out of WeWork is. Like, you know, you and I being able to go to a WeWork and we've done it in the past. Yep. We actually used to be WeWork customers as like, you know, the happy hours, or I've seen they've had AWS solution architects meeting at WeWork or... I've seen kickball games or taco Tuesday nights where they bring in a food truck. I can remember back when my first job where I was at a, you know, joined, in fact, I was just joking the other day that my golf clubs I bought in 1998 in June for the company's golf league. So my nice. golf clubs are now like 23 years old, so they can almost, they can drink. They're they probably uh, <laughs> on old, old technology. 
So it's fun to be able to go out there and hit the balls around. But, you know, now, like, maybe I don't have time to do that anymore as an adult. So, like, uh, not as an adult, but as a, as a parent of children and other things, you know, so maybe maybe the office space might be better for younger people that don't have the same obligations or want to do more social things or take advantage of some of those things that maybe like a shit office space, like a WeWork or, or even your own big office might offer certain people. But given the flexibility to people that have families or other obligations is also really important that maybe if they don't have to be in the office all the time, they can take advantage of those obligations. And I, and I don't think that would makes us any less of a dedicated employee to the, to the company. Yeah, which I think is like the crux of the crux of what what brought so much, you know, uh, you know, got people so so riled up about the comments is exactly that that it's like it's just this this jump to conclusion that if if you don't want to be here for what can be exceptionally strong reasons that may that maybe just give you fulfillment and do something some parts of your life that work is not going to solve for or like you said you might be in a different part of your life where, hey, that time, not not an hour against the windshield twice a day, I could use that in a heck of a lot better fashion and still be extremely, not just dedicated, but extremely effective for who I work for. And and work is not a location, right? You know, work work is work is the the, the product and the things you do together with teams and and the stuff you put out and the thing, the things you manufacture and produce. That's work. And, and I think that's been proven and shattered that, hey, it's no longer confounded by four walls. It's not that one can be better than the other. It's simply that it doesn't have to have those confines any longer. And one thing I thought that was was super smart, that you, we talked a little bit about this earlier, was kind of like the lifestyle choice, right? And you hit on the idea of, of D&I and like diversity and inclusion, and that in the pandemic, when that hit, it forced a lot of people and overwhelmingly percentage-wise more females to come back home, right? Wrong, good, bad, ugly, stats are stats, right? A lot of that was homeschooling and things of that nature and forced them out of traditional office hours and office office time. Now, something I like to contemplate is what happens if that virus had hit in like, I don't know, 1972, where it just wasn't even, the infrastructure wasn't there yet. Like you didn't have cloud, you didn't have mobile, you didn't have all these tool sets that allow us to do what we're doing right now. And you had this forcing factor of the pandemic. And instead of embracing it from WeWork's side, like I think you're calling for, he's kind of bashing it and saying, if you still want to stay home, you're not engaged. And I think you said it nicely earlier, it comes off as tone deaf. Yeah, I I think the other thing is, even if I look at, just the impact they had on the business is I, I think most companies were surprised at how quickly they were able to continue the work and actually maybe even be more effective. You know, if anything, there's probably been people overworked and maybe oversubscribed. I saw a lot of companies taking almost forced vacations. I know Google did it. A parent company asked for a vacation day. Other companies took forced vacation time because people were actually working more and maybe being even more productive than they were in the office space because of that lack of commute and unfortunately the ability to always be on and not knowing how to turn that off. So I, I think in, in some ways that assumption that people are, you know, watching Oprah or, you know, doing doing the laundry or washing the dishes and catching a TV show in their home is just such a an old school way of looking at things that it's just completely off base. 
Yeah. One of the things we talked about on a previous podcast where I think it was a Fast Company article that was like, you know, seven things that are going to happen in 2021 to really like balloon remote work even out further. And I remember one of the big things that you were like, hey, most of these are positives. And there was one glaring one that talked about basically increased surveillance, right? like basically giving giving companies the the ability to peek in on you at all hours to, to monitor what are you doing online? Are you actually working versus trusting your employees to do the work they have to do regardless if they're inside some four walls or you know, they're sitting in their boxes that they happen to be in their kitchen. Who really cares about that as long as the work is, is solid and getting done? And I do feel like comments from Mr. Marthrani only accelerate that fear, that they can only act to make other maybe CIOs or, or CEOs become more fearful and say, maybe, maybe he's right. He's got such a big voice out there. Maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe I really have to, maybe I do have to pull them all back in. Or if not, I got to put some more spyware on there and too bad if they don't like it versus the antithesis of that, which is just throttling towards trust and throttling towards more open communication, better tools and, and more training on how you actually can function and function really, really well being an open and, um, and a remote company to begin with. And, and one thing I'll say too, Dave, is it has taken me years, years to really hone how effective I can be when I'm working at home. That's number one. And also getting in the habit of stopping work, you know, like making sure that I have something to go to. I've got family, I've got baseball, I've got things, but you know, I, I coach baseball. I should say it is. <laughs> I got baseball. Sounds like I'm, I'm like rookie of the year over here, Dave. <laughs> I'm in baby. Um, but you know, making sure that you have things that demand you to, to shut your laptop down. And if you don't, uh, making sure you still do anyway, right? So I think there's, there is this two-sided coin here that I think his, uh, his verbiage, what he's professing only stokes more fear. And I do think there's got to be a balance of training and telling people who are doing this for the first year of their life and want to continue to do it, that there is a way to do it that you don't burn yourself out and that you do stay highly productive, that you do stay highly engaged, even if you don't get to see somebody, you know, uh, but, but once a year. And I agree. And I, I actually think like his biggest mistake there was like the at least two thirds of your time comment. And, you know, as I think like going in maybe a day a week or two day a week, every day, if you want, like whatever floats your boat, I think that interaction is, is really important. But once you start measuring it and saying it's required two thirds of the time, I actually think that will hurt a lot more. Like if you look now, like what we do, I think GitLab has been doing a lot where they have all their how they run remote work, how they do everything is public. It's in GitLab. You can read it. You can download it. All the manuals, everything's in public. Um, there's been a lot of other companies that are kind of leading in that how to run a remote first company. I think you may see some backslide where companies have had such success with this because everyone's remote. You know, my fear is like once you start going to two thirds remote, now is the water cooler conversations, the mm -hmm. in office meetings. Does that take over where the majority, if you're, are you really missing things from not being next to the water cooler and not attending those in-person meetings? Is being the remote person a little bit hotter? Uh, I, I imagine we'll actually see companies backslide some where they're not as productive and have more pain points. But I think if you're very proactive with this move back in, thinking about like, how do I, how am I inclusive? How do I think about things asynchronously? 
know, everyone always says an email is better than a meeting in a lot of cases, or how do I get everybody involved in those meetings? Thinking of that asynchronous worker or the worker from home, regardless of the one third, two thirds, full time, I think it's going to be really critical to see how companies come out of this into the next generation of how people work in an office. I love the point about that, the two thirds just feeling so arbitrary. Like, wh- wh- where'd that come from? Where, why, where's that two thirds thing? And then, like you said, all of a sudden you've got like the, the, the sneeches. You know, some people have stars in their belly because they're the ones in the office and the ones who don't, ha- don't have stars or, or reverse that. But in, in the Susian book there, I think they actually do flop, uh, flop rolls at one point. Um, <laughs> And they're all that giant facts are either getting their stars or getting their stars removed from, from their bellies. And it does become this, um, this very faux badge that can carry a lot of, a lot of bad connotations, a lot of bad connotations. Like, and, that, and these, are, these are traditional things that existed well before the pandemic. Oh, that guy took off at, you know, she took off at 4.30 in the afternoon. Like, how dare she? Well, you know what? She's a rock star. All her crap got done, <laughs> you know? And, and by the way, her laptop's coming home. She's got a thing she's got to go do. And if she wants to or whatever, she's going to be back on at eight o'clock to go, to go check the last few things she's got to do anyway because we're humans. We, and most of us can manage our time way more effectively, again, irrespective if we're inside of four walls or if we're given a simple nine to five box. So what does this, this next divergence look like? Again, I'm not the hyperbole kind of all offices are dead or... We're all going back to the office. Nope. The reality is this was a forcing factor with the pandemic and there's going to be some new blend of work that moves forward and putting some arbitrary um, limits or floors on how often you should be somewhere. It just feels ill-advised and dumb. And back to your main point too, WeWork could go into this coming boom of people, some people that do want to make it back and play it up and really be like, hey, as you return, why not to return to a place that is naturally fractional, that is naturally more inclusive? You could bounce around and come to an environment and it's not even just your office, it's multitudes of different offices where, where you could get that sociological kick that a lot of people do still want. And again, lifestyle-wise, maybe you want it, maybe you don't, but being there for, basically being there for, for the economy of the world as it does reopen back up and, and really playing that up as a strength. And I think you're right. I think they're tone-wise, if that's the direction of the CEO, they're missing it right now. I think everybody wants a subscription or a bundle or some kind of reoccurring revenue, like whether that's the Disney Plus or the Apple Plus or all these things where you're bundling your music, your storage, your video games together. I could just imagine we work being, hey, here's how many seats you have. Use it here, use it there. By the way, we'll help sponsor a happy hour here, sponsor a tech talk at this location. And you kind of have like a one spot where you can go get employee morale things and spend money mm. for your employees or invite people or bring in customer events. Or like, I feel like if they start thinking of this around like, what does what the world look like where people are remote, people are working across the world, across the US, and how does that change office dynamics? I think they could really lead with a really exciting product. And maybe, you know, we're just living in more of the, the newer where I think the future is going. But if anything, I think the pandemic has accelerated that dramatically. And, you know, that's where I'd love to see them take their business. Yeah, I think it's awesome advice. And I think it's a great place to wrap it to. So Sandeep Mathrani, if you're listening, you should, you should listen to our CTO, Dave Messenger, because he's got a big brain on, on that head there, or a big brain in that head, I should say. And Dave, I think you're right. I think they're, they're really where they could shift from being just this 
real estate company uh, and really become a, a culture, a, fo- a force for being an advocate for the, the new way of work in a culture sense. And it could be a dramatic shift. Also, I'll leave with this. They're actually set up to do so in the sense that they do have the scattered real estate, right? They, they do have a diverse footprint where they could do this. So that's just about kind of tweaking their services, tweaking their go-to-market, and just opening the aperture in a slightly different way so that that next gen of worker and the next gen of leaders, the HR leaders and folks like that, think we work first to solve a a bunch of those things. Because like I was saying before too, man, there is an isolation problem. There is a loneliness problem. That, That is real. That exists. If you're 26 years old and you really miss the social life because that was that was your fabric, that was your tie back into your your friend structure and things like that, man, WeWork is 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 in a pole position to be to be a force for good there. And then for folks like you and I, Dave, who are like in our early 40s, who are doing our family thing, we want to work from home. We'll get on the planes when we got it. We'll do all that. We'd love to go visit that WeWork once in a while too, but probably just less frequently is what it boils down to. So, so I think it's a really, really cool place to wrap it. So great discussion with you, man. Always good to get your opinions on all these topics that are a future of work and just really the vantage point of things have changed, but how, how do we accelerate into them now that there has been change? I think you brought up some awesome points here. So I know we'll have you back on quite soon and, uh, and we would look forward to whether it's the fourth, the fifth, the 10th time, Whenever you're back on Uprising, we look forward to some really engaging discussions, man. So thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Ben. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Thanks. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the Upriser podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, so it's pretty easy. And of course, I encourage you to follow us out on social at Upriser, U-P-R-I-S-O-R on Twitter. And also, I would encourage you to follow Topcoder at Topcoder, T-O-P-C-O-D-E-R.